Welcome to Absurdist Asylum. My name is Jason Velarde. This week is our Christmas episode, and we are watching Elves, made in 1989. Now, despite this being our Christmas episode, Elves is not a Christmas movie. Elves is a movie about Nazis, magic, and becoming a woman. But mostly, it's a story about how a girl gets reunited with her father. But we'll get to that. As always, I'm joined by my host, Brad Cousy. How you doing today, Brad? I'm doing well, Jason. How about you? I am fantastic. Uh, how's life been treating you? Uh, pretty well, actually. Now that I'm not really in the f- busy filming season, I can actually enjoy Christmas that's coming up here in the next few days. Yeah, you know, I, I'm finally at the point where I can enjoy Christmas. It's like, it's got to be like, uh, like, it can't be more than, you know, a week or so before Christmas, before I'm like, actually in the Christmas spirit. So, Brad, you're you're being humble right now, and you're not mentioning the fact that you just graduated from film school. Congratulations, by the way. I'm super proud of you, bud. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, about that process? Yeah, thank you. Um, film school was was intense. Uh, it, it was three years. It, it took a lot of dedication, a lot of hard work. Uh, I didn't sleep. I wouldn't sleep for about five or six months each semester. Uh, but I got to make a lot of cool films and I got, made a couple of commercials and it really kind of put me on the right track. Uh, now that I'm done with film school, I'm, I'm looking at collaborating with other filmmakers. I'm looking at investment opportunities. I'm buying a bunch of my own equipment so I can start making my own smaller content and just seeing where that road takes me. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we'll be working on the Absurdist Asylum documentary here soon, but, uh, you know, as as proud as I am of of how you, you actually went through it and and actually made it there, I'm sure you've got to be super proud of yourself. Did you ever think you you'd get there? Did it seem like an attainable goal when you first signed up? I I think the the first thing after my first semester, I realized, man, this is a lot of hard work because you know I was also holding down a. Uh, 40, 40 hour work week with my a job to pay the bills. And I thought, man, how am I going to balance these two? Like, there's just no way. But as time, you know, went on, I learned how to multitask and I learned how to get everything set up the way that I needed it to, where I was able to work a full-time job and finish school. So it actually got a lot easier as time progressed. Um, and, you know, with my skills, you know, adapting and the knowledge that I gained, but it uh, doesn't mean it was easy. It was still still pretty difficult. And there's quite a few people that I know that started with the same time that I did, and they didn't make it. They quit about halfway through. I think there's maybe me and three other people from my my starting semester that actually graduated this semester. Yeah, I that's uh, it's quite the feat. You've been going to school, and I've been sitting around fucking like streaming on Twitch and shit. So uh, <laughs> congratulations again, but that's, that's not the reason why we're here. We're here to talk about this, dare I say it, monstrosity of a movie. Uh, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to talking about this one. I think it's one of the best ones that we've picked for our show because it's right up our alley. And I'm actually looking forward to hearing you shit on, you know, a, a film that like clearly needed some work i don't i don't want to shit on it but oh man this one's really tough because like i try to like watch a movie and just you know give it the credit that hey it's really tough to make a movie not everything works out 
but this is probably the number one in the back of my mind that just makes me think, Jesus, how many things went wrong on set or during the script to even, like, why did they even make this? At some point, it's a lost cause, but they pushed through and they also (laughs) made this horrific movie. Yeah, it is definitely a product of its time. This movie was made in 1989, uh, not to be confused with Elf. Uh, I would have thought this movie would have been called Elf because I'm pretty sure there's only one, but we'll get to that. Uh, So the movie starts uh, just like a lot of horror and Christmas movies do, oddly enough, but they like film just some like random trinkets and like scenery from the season that they're trying to project. Like they've got some ornaments and like little snow globes and all that. And they try and give it like this ominous tone as they're skipping from just like random object, little ballerina on a music box, like skipping from object to object. And I think one of the things that worked was the music. They did like get across the point that they're trying to set like an ominous tone, but the, I don't know that Christmas is just too wholesome to like just use everyday Christmas objects as like a ominous setting. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, I've seen a lot of like horror Christmas movies, but this is not a good one. This this is one that really makes you think like, what the hell were they even going for? Were they, were they trying to be funny? Because some of the, some of the horror scenes are to me are kind of funny. I don't know if it's just because, you know, this is made back in, you know, the late 80s, very early 90s. And we're just so used to having better content. I'm not really sure. But to me, this is actually more of a comedy than it was a horror. A hundred percent. So it starts when we meet our main character, Kirsten. Kirsten. And her two best friends, Amy and Brooke, and they're out in the forest and they're beginning to perform some sort of magic ritual. They got a candle. They need to find the perfect spot. And the lesson that I've learned from 80s movies is don't fuck around with magic because defunct or broken rituals will go the exact opposite that they want you to. And of course, this is the 80s, so they have to like have that satanic panic ritual to like start off the bad to start off the bad things in this movie but uh they start by reading off this script where they call themselves the sisters of anti-christmas and you can tell our main character is like kind of over the christmas story and theme uh and she winds up like breaking the glass that this candle is held around cutting her hand and dripping some of her blood onto the forest floor, which that's where the spooky stuff begins. You see a little smoke. You see the first glimpse of our not so big bad in this movie. And it's just like a hand kind of coming out of the pine needles in the forest. And this movie didn't learn from a lot of, from 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 the people who, or the things that came before it, when you know that a, like the lesson of horror movies is like if you're gonna have a monster movie, don't show the monster as much as you can because this movie just like 
goes full bore in in showing the monster like you only get the hand at first and i think that's all they could hold their load before they they shot it all over this one is have you ever done like any horror movies or anything like that brad uh, i've never directed or was the cinematographer on a horror movie but i've worked on some horror movies in, in lower roles and that is definitely correct you're you're not supposed to show the monster I mean, you really barely want to show it. It really, it, it, it sells it more when you're not seeing the full thing. But this movie, yeah, they didn't do that. You see it quite a bit. And that kind of takes away the, the magic of the creature because you see it so often. You can, just, you can tell like, oh, that's, that's definitely not real. Plus, like the, the prop wasn't very good. It, I mean, it looked creepy, but it, the hand alone just looked like an, an old white dude's hand with makeup on it. And claws. Yeah, it it definitely did itself a disservice by being too liberal with the monster shots. Uh, so, but back to our main character, Kirsten. She has her grandpa's notebook, and she's not supposed to be in this forest, according to her grandpa. And so, after she cuts her hand and runs home for help, the first thing her grandpa does is smacks the shit out of her. Uh, and he does it because he cares because it's an eighties movie. He, he makes it very clear that he was worried about her and that's why she needed to be smacked around a little bit. Um, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. No, just, it was just twice. It was uh, because he cared. Uh, and we also learned that like the rest of her family life is also awful. Her mom uh, because she found out she disobeyed her grandpa and took his notebook, decides that her punishment is going to be she's going to s- take her savings account that she's been saving for art school and just give it to her little brother because, I don't know, like moms are awful, I guess, is the story there that she's <laughs> trying to get across. And her little brother is a straight-up pervert because there's the obligatory 80s like nude in the shower scene and she catches a little brother staring her down and when he's caught he says i'm gonna tell everyone i saw your tits because i like staring at tits or some shit like that that was super awkward yeah when she finally catches him and she asks like what were you doing or she calls him a pervert or something like that and he goes i'm not a pervert i just like looking at naked girls like I know you're nine years old or maybe 10, but that's exactly what a pervert is, man. And they disgrace the name of the Ninja Turtles by just having the kid wear a Ninja Turtles outfit. Oh, yeah, I forgot he was wearing a Ninja Turtles sweatshirt. I used to have one just like that. I do, I, you know, I had the same one. So, and we find out that this this girl's only friend at her house is her cat, Agamemnon. And... You know, once she gets out of the house and she goes to work, she's got her friends, Amy and Brooke, that visit her at work. Uh, Mom is mad at Agamemnon because in the middle of the night, her little brother woke up screaming because he saw a fucking little ninja troll. That's a direct quote from the movie. (laughs) Fucking little ninja troll in his bedroom and... It scratched him, and the mom obviously doesn't believe that he saw anything and blames it on the cat. So, meanwhile, back at home, while girls at work the next day, mom 
kindly caresses the cat while he's eating and then shoves it in a pillowcase and promptly drowns it in the toilet. <laughs> oh god, and that that's there was not really any setup for that scene either. It just it cuts right into it. She walks into the bathroom and just starts dunking the cat into the bathtub. And we talked about this earlier before, but like you could tell like there's not it looks like she's just drowning a pillowcase. There's there's a shot where you're looking right over the toilet and you you would think of as the filmmakers like, hey, maybe we should put something in the pillowcase to give it some life to make it look like there's something in there. But no, they didn't do that. They It looks like she's just washing a pillowcase in the toilet. Yeah, it looks like she's got like a couple of black socks in the pillowcase and there's no fight back from the cat as the mom just like pushes her hands on this like soppy pillowcase in the toilet. And then the next scene is she's got a grave already dug for the cat. So she like has this sopping wet pillowcase and she doesn't dispose of the pillowcase. She just dumps the cat out into the grave. Cause I'm assuming she wants to hold on to that pillowcase, <laughs> but, and she like whispers some shit of like, no, I've got some fertilizer for my petunias. <laughs> and Which makes no sense. Like, I like mean, what? <laughs> after a while, I'm sure if you wanted to plant some petunias over that cat's grave, I'm sure it would probably. But like, mom's mom's a little messed up, and we learn that this girl is uh, working at a department store, and at this department store, her break time is filled with, and I quote, goofing on Santa. So her and her friends go wait in line to go sit on Santa's lap. And when she gets up, Santa starts running his dirty hands up her leg and says, <laughs> uh, what do you want for Christmas? And she goes, I don't know. Can you make it snow? And Santa says, oral. She goes, what? He says, Santa wants oral. And obviously, maybe not obviously because it's the 1980s, but she slaps him and gets up and gets a little upset. You know, that turns into a thing where her boss starts berating her for fucking with Santa while she's on shift. And obviously he gets gets upset with Santa. You know, one thing that they said is like, this hasn't happened at Gollum's for 50 years. Like, he says that <laughs> as if he's been there for 50 years, but this guy is maybe like 35 years old. And he says that, like, I don't, I don't know that, how would you know that? Like, did they give you a a brief oral history of the grocery or the department store you worked at. Yeah. Um, when, during your orientation, when you, when you become the manager of the department store, they say, Oh yeah, here's your wage. And here's what you do. Oh, by the way, we, we haven't had anyone. Uh, Santa's never groped a girl in the last 50 years. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. Just, um, so in this time we meet the guy, I'm just going to call Santa throughout this movie, Dan Haggerty, Dan Haggerty, who played Grizzly Adams, is basically this ex-alcoholic guy who used to work for the department store. Uh, we later find out he's a department store detective, which I don't know that that's a thing that ever happened in real life. I don't, yeah, I don't know about that. But he is like kind of begging the manager back, uh, the begging the manager for his job back and when the manager kind of tells him, like, hey, you know, I can't hire you, but, you know, go get some coffee and donuts on me. 
uh, Santa gives him some like, come on, man, like, what are you going to, how are you going to treat me like that? And the manager looks at him and says, my favorite line of the movie, which is, you take that cinnamon outside, mister. It's Christmas time, which I'm not sure if, like, you take that cinnamon outside or, or cinnamon has ever been like a paraphrase for something, but I'm going to start, I'm going to try and bring it back. Like that's, that's going to be used at least one time this, this holiday season. God, you, you, I really hope you say that to some dude in like a bar who's super drunk, like <laughs> some guy that wants to fight you and you just say that line back to him. You just hit him really hard with a, you take that cinnamon outside, mister. <laughs> and I'll be right there recording the whole thing. Right. Right. That's I think it's because like cinnamon is like a, it's kind of harsh. And it's it's uh, it's not pleasant by itself, and so I think maybe that's that was kind of like the whole thing. Honestly, they could have just said, "Hey, we need more Christmas stuff in this. Let's just add Christmas stuff to the dialogue." I, I that's probably a distinct possibility. So after this whole ordeal where Santa fills up Kristen, and he kind of gets scolded and sent back to his break room, we come in on Santa. Or not not Santa, but but creepy feel up the main character Santa, and he's in his break room just like chopping out lines of coke, just like it's 1989 or 1988 when they filmed this thing, and uh, we get our second look at this little monster arm that reaches up and grabs a knife out of a kitchen block in a full department store and he makes his way to the break room and stabs cokehead santa in the nuts like 17 or 18 or 63 times it's uh it, it seemed a bit excessive he really really got in the sack of toys it was uh it was a weird scene I was not expecting that. Santa, yes, he did. He did uh, take a plunge into Santa's sack of toys. Um, <laughs> of course, because this department store, you know, just just needs a new Santa, and you know, nobody nobody was murdered because, of course, it's Christmas. Uh, they the manager of the department store offers real Santa Grizzly Adams uh, a job as their new Santa Claus and he not only is working for the department store but he stays in the same break like he's like sleeping in the same break room that old Santa just got stabbed in Uh, so being in this room, he discovers like this little symbol, which almost looks like a sickle with a, a cross through it. And being the department store detective slash, uh, I guess, I guess he was an actual detective at this point. We learned um, who who presumably lost his job due to alcoholism. Uh, he he like draws down this symbol and he makes kind of a note to investigate this a little further. So and, and he while he's doing this, he's actually like talking to the bloody outline of Cokehead Santa. Oh yeah, as if he's right there. He's like, I'm gonna avenge you or some shit like that. Yeah, he um 
after he we learned that Santa is staying at the department store, we learned that the girls, uh, Kristen, Amy, and Brooke, have a plan to stay or or not stay, but they're gonna like break into the department store and kind of have this little date night with their boyfriends. And so the girl, uh, Kristen, kind of sets up a thing where she can make her way back into the department store. And they're all, like, preparing for these boys to come. And this movie is, like, chock full of dated, like, pretty heavily dated, like, 80s dialogue where the girls are... I don't even know how to describe it, just because when they talk, it feels like they're specifically trying to be in a commercial for like the next coolest thing. I think it's just horrible acting. That's a distinct possibility. This movie, like, <laughs> this movie has a lot of interesting things going for it. I'm not going to say good things going for it, but it's got like, it's got the plot that could have been interesting, but the actors I'm not sure if Dan Haggerty, like real Santa, is a good actor who's just phoning it in or a bad actor who's like really trying his hardest. But he he has this weird sincerity to him where everything he's, he talks, he's, he's like, he's really listening to you, if, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But almost everyone around him i will talk about my favorite actor in this movie in a in just a touch but almost everyone around him is genuinely awful and it's funny how this movie if you look on imdb how this movie killed almost everyone's careers like there's there's nobody in this movie who was in anything else that you would recognize except brooke the uh Kirsten's best friend has a special thank you in not another teen movie. Hmm. I I was looking up the director for this movie and he's only directed this movie and then another movie the following year called Cop Chicks. Yeah. And it I I kind of want to see how that one plays out too. So Put I mean on the list the the horrible acting could have been it also could have just been the director not knowing what the hell he wants. And so the actors are just like, okay, so like, how do you want me to play the scene? And the director could be like, oh, I don't know. Just do however you think. And then just like no direction whatsoever. So it could be the director's fault too. But I mean, I, like I said, these, these actors and actresses did, did not do a very genuine job. Except for Dan Haggerty. He's got one tone throughout the whole movie. Like even, super sincere and worried about everybody, right? Yeah, even when he's trying to get his job back, he's like, "Come on, man! Like, I just need a job." He's like, "I know things are hard, but come on, it's hard for me too." But <laughs> so once we we see this girl at her job and they have this thing, she comes home and her mom's like, "Hey, how was work?" And she was like, "Oh, it was pretty awful. Santa got killed today." <laughs> and and it's not even like acknowledged in the movie that that she just like said santa she goes goes immediately from that to hey where's my cat and (laughs) mom's like i don't know i haven't seen your cat all day 
Why don't you check outside? So now that she's back at home, Grandpa's got a couple of friends over, and he's talking with his friends. And I actually wrote down when I was watching this movie for the first time, Grandpa Nazi question mark, and <laughs> and he said his friends want to rebuild the new bloodline. And so his friends are over talking about like how, uh, you know, this was the plan and it doesn't seem like grandpa's on board with the plan at all anymore. We forgot to mention grandpa has a horrific German accent. Oh yeah. That's that's exactly why I was like grandpa Nazi question mark because it's, yeah, he has like a, a heavy German accent and uh, his friends mention when there's no more room in hell, the elves will walk the earth, which is the first clue that we get that aside from the title of the movie, I suppose that this thing that we're seeing is anything other than a fucking little ninja troll. (laughs) But then we get like the full shot of it and it looks like, you remember the old tabloids where they had the Bat Boy. Do you remember the Bat Boy oh, from yeah. the tabloids? Yeah. It looks like an old version of Bat Boy from the tabloids. Like pointy ears, no hair. For some reason, it's always in like a cold flop sweat. Yeah, it looks pretty bad. It's uh, You think they would have spent a little bit more time on it, or at least don't show it as much. That That is a filmmaking tool, though, for... For like horror movies, you you save the monster. You don't shoot the monster. You only put him in the spots where he's going to make sense. You don't need to show him in his full entirety, at least not until the very end. You see this thing like 30 times before you even get to the end. Like you see him all the way throughout the movie. Yeah, it's whatever the number is. It's too much because like you said, they didn't they didn't put much time into the elf itself the elf itself uh the it it has this like lockjaw situation where no matter what it's doing its mouth is wide open i think it's just the puppet they built yeah but you can make i mean i could make a puppet that its mouth closes like like that's paper bag puppet 101 (laughs) and So yeah, we spot this elf in the window, and obviously Kristen says, "Oh, it's it's a troll." Just like in the, he, she doesn't say just like my brother saw, but she's she's mimicking what her brother said. It was like I don't know, I I saw a troll, uh, and of course nobody believes her until the next night when her and her friends make a plan to stay in the department store, and. I guess they're her friends are planning on like giving it up to these boys that we haven't seen met yet. And yeah, this is their night. Yeah, like they're they the whole the whole um what's the test of uh, the Bechdel test? This movie does not pass the Bechdel test in any way or another because the only lines these girls have, or at least the only scenes these girls have always ends with them like talking about boys or boys dicks or whatever the case may be. Uh, I know that this is a late eighties movie and that's just kind of the status quo, but 
they so they 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 make a plan and they go into this department store at night and they're like setting up this big night for the boys where they all wear these like fancy outfits that they picked out of the department store and they've got tents that they're all gonna bang in and <laughs> candles everywhere yeah and so they've got and then also we find out that uh, this is where we find out that real Santa is living in the department store. Basically, instead of the boys come knocking on the door, which they do eventually show up, but they get intercepted and immediately murdered by Grandpa's Nazi friends. Like, the boys are such a minuscule character, despite them being talked about so much in the first, like, 25 minutes of the movie, that I couldn't even tell you their names or what they look like. And I've watched this movie today. Like I watched this movie before and I watched it again today and I couldn't tell you what they look like or what their names were because they did not matter. They were just lambs to the slaughter to these Nazis who show up at the department store and try and they, they, they say in later in the movie that they're trying to protect Kristen, but they are doing a lot of damn shooting and a lot of damn murdering to be trying to protect this girl. Which... Yeah, the uh, the the whole the whole boys being murdered part was like in filmmaking you have what's called a setup and a payoff, and so they set up the boys for the last you know twenty minutes, like you said. And so I thought like, okay, maybe it's going to be kind of like one of those horror scenes in Friday the Thirteenth, where like as they're banging, then they're going to get murdered because that's usually what happens in a lot of these kind of horror movies. No, you. They, I think they had like a total of like 30 seconds of screen time before they all get brutally murdered. Yeah, and you know, I thought at one point that the end of the movie was going to be that Kirsten was going to have to bang one of these guys to no longer be a virgin because that just seemed like a, a plot line that I could see happening in a movie like this. And so the fact that they were murdered almost immediately that we see that after we see them was was a surprise to me and okay so there's some like you know directional intrigue i guess i'll I'll put it that way as to what's actually going to happen in this movie and there are some fucking twisty turns in this movie <laughs> but that wasn't one of them uh so after the boys get murdered the nazis get a hold of amy and immediately murder her. Like, they murder her in an elevator while she's wearing some lingerie that she was going to support for these boys. And then, like, if you're going to cut one one look at this monster out from this movie, it's the one where he is stalking this girl and comes across a holiday display elf wearing a Santa Claus hat he takes the Santa Claus hat and then murders Brooke while wearing the Santa Claus hat for whatever reason that may be because uh, I mean they had to get the the one like piece of promotional footage that I see of this movie is the elf wearing the Santa Claus hat yeah it is probably just to try to sell the fact that this is an elf and not some weird fucking weird well, creature in it, its like the creature itself is so far from what anybody would picture as an elf 
that it's weird that they keep referring to it as an elf, but the shot of that elf with the Santa Claus hat right before he's about to attack is like, okay, you ruined it. Like any suspense that you had in this movie is over. Yeah, because it's just like a bad rubber mask that the mouth doesn't close and it's constantly wet for whatever reason and it's wearing a santa claus hat so we know it's a christmas horror movie now i guess i wonder if like the director was like hey wait hold on before we do this next shot somebody go put a go put a christmas hat on that dude like and it's only in that one shot too it's like that one mini scene it's you don't see him wearing the hat anymore so like to me it made no sense yeah i i 100 percent agree and after Santa finds the the symbol that we saw earlier in the movie on the corpse or next to the corpse of Brooke, which instead of being arrested, which the police absolutely should have done, and this movie should have been over if if not like the good guys were arrested and the bad guys prevailed because of that. This movie should have been over when Santa, like, you know, is caught broken in, uh, in this department store that he should have been with a bunch of bullet holes everywhere <laughs> and two dead girls. But no, Santa says, I, I need some time to figure out what's going on. And the detective who's investigating these two murders is like, yeah, you got 24 hours. Like... This movie which makes no sense. Yeah, it could have been much shorter if the cops just did their job, which I feel is another just like thing that happens in old movies is the cops are just like, no, you're you're probably right. Something weird's going on and uh I don't need to arrest you, even though you clearly should be suspect number one. <laughs> even just the look of him too. He looks like a homeless guy. Yeah, he looks I mean, he looks like a dirty Santa Claus, like you wouldn't set your kid down in that guy's lap because you're pretty sure he's been drinking all day. But uh, so, yeah, he, he goes to investigate this symbol that he finds. And uh, when he takes Kristen back home, which she should have also been like just under investigation and being interrogated by the cops too, because she is in this place where her two best friends just got murdered. They think it was like some slender man shit or something where they're like, Oh, <laughs> We sacrificed your friends to the the slender elf. But so Santa Claus take Kristen back home and notices that her grandpa has this symbol just at the base of his Christmas tree randomly. And Santa clearly knows that grandpa knows more than he's telling when it comes to this. And grandpa tells Santa to just leave it alone. But Santa can't do that. So he goes to the library and finds a book on occult symbols and comes across the name of this college professor who knows all about these types of symbols. And I mentioned it earlier about my favorite actor in this movie, but this college professor is the, either he is the nerdy bookworm type who's super talkative in real life, or he is the best actor in this movie because he not only just like rambles off his lines, like kind of like a nerdy guy who doesn't care if what you're, what he's laying down is what you're picking up. 
but he also is doing it while lighting a pipe and sorting through books and things like that. And he tells him about how the Nazis were the last like group to believe in elves and the last group to really put any credence into this idea that elves were real. But he genuinely was the best actor in this movie. There is one part that he, he talks about too, which completely like turns the whole history of Hitler was he mentioned something about how like Hitler wants his master race, but nobody, nobody ever knew what that master race was. And apparently from this nerdy bookworm librarian professor guy, apparently the master race that Hitler actually wanted was a mix between humans and these weird fucking elves. And so it's like, wait, what? Like that was Hitler's plan all along. And that's basically what he says. Like he, he changes the course of like Hitler's actual, what he really wanted to do in like real life into this movie of, Oh yeah. He, he always wanted to breed humans with these elves. Not really a master race. If you, if you ask me. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the Nazis weren't exactly the cream of the crop to begin with. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, that, like, the whole idea behind this movie is now that we learn that the Nazis made the elves as some sort of, like, genetic holding place for this Aryan bloodline that they wanted to keep sacred, which, how do you, how do you weave elves into the Nazi story I want to. I want to be in the room during the pitch meeting of this movie. Like, okay, I got the next big idea. Hear me out. So it's Christmas time. We got Santas. We have elves. But what if one of those elves was a murderous, rampaging troll? And then the executive producers are probably like, okay, tell me more. I'm interested. <laughs> tell me more like, about this. No, they were probably like, tell me more. <laughs> Is it actually an elf or can we make it look like a troll? So we've kind of hit the main plot of this movie is that these elves are a Nazi experiment experiment to preserve their bloodline. And you're wondering, how does our girl Kristen fold into all this? Like, where does she, like, why is she being followed around by this? Is it just the blood that fell in the forest? Is it just the ritual that she did? Um, I mean, that's part of it, but we learn that, you know, Kristen's father is not around. We mentioned she only lives with her mom and her dad and her grandpa, or is he? Because her mom kind of gets sick and tired of Kristen asking, or not asking, but like lamenting for her dad. And her mom says, you want to meet your dad? He's down there in the study. And Kristen says, wait, grandpa's the only one down in the study. What are you talking about? And she goes, your mom is your grandpa. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Kristen is, in fact, the product of Nazi incest. And her mom just kind of, like, drops it on Christmas Eve like she's been waiting to. <laughs> she's uh, been, yeah. It's definitely awkward. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. But I mean, back, you know, back in, like, the actual like in real Germany and real Nazi time, like that was a thing. Like incest was a real thing. 
Yeah, even if it's not, we can slander the fuck out of the Nazis. They fuck their daughters all the time. Yeah, fuck those guys. But, <laughs> yeah, so so Kristen finds out her grandpa is actually her father, and her mom's also her sister, and all the fun stuff. Uh, and she goes down and has a talk with her grandpa about it, and, and the talk that she has with her grandpa is just like, it's it's all of the creeps. Her grandpa is like <laughs> half justifying it, half telling her how beautiful and perfect she is because she's the perfect like Nazi bloodline. And yeah, it's just like gives you the willies type thing. Every uh, time he keeps talking about it, he keeps kind of like bringing up the subject. Yeah. And she's like, but like the daughter, Kristen is just sitting there listening to her. I'm like, okay. Like she's just like sucking all the information in. I'd be like, wait, what the fuck? I would have gotten the hell out of there. Yeah, and so um, the grandpa tells her that the the elves are to mate with the, the perfect <laughs> bloodline to create the master race. So we learn that it's just like she's just like this genetic repository for <laughs> the elves to to come and find, which. To come and uh, find. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So this movie has taken a, another weird twisty turn. Uh, not only are the elves working for the Nazis, but our main character is uh, a daddy-daughter bang baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, and while we figure this out, mom has lost her mind once again and is like doing the... I don't, I don't exactly know how to describe it, where she's, like, doing the, like, trying to make myself beautiful by just putting on entirely too much lipstick, like, losing her mind. And she jumps in the bathtub, and we get, you know, more tits in this movie, and tries to, like, and she eventually, it looks like, it looks like she makes herself, like, feel better about the whole thing, because she, like, cleans her face up. She's not, like, covered in lipstick anymore. But the elf <laughs> which this movie should have just been called elf because there's only fucking one i don't know why they call it elves but the elf takes the radio she's listening to and just dumps it in the tub and shocks the shit out of her mom like fear and loathing style like we reached the peak of the white rabbit <laughs> like the worst shot of this elf is when he's staring at her mom naked in the bathtub getting electrocuted and you get like a shoulder up shot like a bust shot of this l just like nodding up and down vigorously like i was just like gonna talk super about that enjoying it yeah please do because they look like a look like a hippie at a rock concert he's just <laughs> banging his head he's just he's loving every moment of it right i don't so understand weird. if they were trying to like convey excitement or approval or arousal but I mean, this the elf is is clearly enjoying watching, which it's weird because if he's if she's like the the mom of this genetic repository, it would seem like that's something you'd want to keep around. But nope, elf's like just jacking it while she's being electrocuted <laughs> in the bathtub. Is is actually probably my favorite scene because of how horrible it was. Well, and you know, it's fair enough. And it's like they they Santa like sees this first before the kids do, and the kids are like, Is mom okay? And 
He says, she's going to be all right. And it's like, I hate to break it to you, Santa, but no matter what you say, mom's not going to be all right. She wasn't all right before the radio hit the water. But now she's, <laughs> uh, now she's definitely not going to be all right. But I, my second favorite line in this movie is, uh, Willie, the little brother, comes down when they're in the middle of this deep conversation about how Kristen is like grandpa's fuck baby. And he says, are we going to be all right? And Kristen goes, no, Willie, grandpa's a Nazi. Just like, you know, laying it on thick. He just ruined that kid's childhood. Uh, and it, he doesn't even, he doesn't like, even move. register it. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't make any things. I think the only thing that kid says from that point on in the movie, maybe not the only thing, but the next thing the kid says from that point on in the movie is like, you think we're going to get good presents? There doesn't seem to be much under the tree. He's just completely oblivious to what's going on. I, I'm pretty sure at nine years old, I knew what a Nazi was. Yeah, I wouldn't say that that's too far off. So grandpa's Nazi friends wind up coming back to the house and attacking Santa and grandpa because he's no longer on board with this, like, let's make Nazis again plan and wind up killing grandpa, fighting with Santa Claus. But grandpa tells Kristen that there's only one way to stop this. And it's this like crystal that he's blessed. And you see some like, special effects with a crystal like it's imbued with power but before they can grab the crystal and finish it off Kristen and willie her little brother have to go running off into the woods uh just to kind of escape these nazis who are like they're they're doing the the brad Cousy and kind of like filming a cinematography documentary about <laughs> how they're about to remake the Nazi party. Like not saying your documentaries about the Nazis, but they're, they're doing the like filmmaker thing where they're like, Ooh, here's Kristen, our main star. And here's their little brother and here's grandpa. And they're kind of like doing the whole <laughs> movies of the start of the Aryan race 2.0. God, it was so weird. And, and I think the one of the weirdest parts of that whole scene was like, like he had a name for the stone and everything. I, I think he referred to it as like an elf stone or something. Like, you remember like in like medieval times, there's like rune stones. Like they yeah. just completely stole that from like medieval times and said, we're going to throw this in there too. Hey, we created this creepy ass monster, but here's how you kill it. <laughs> yeah. So after they run into the woods away from these Nazis, they they come across the elf again in the woods because it seems to kind of like know exactly. He's got like a homing device as to where uh, Kristen is. Because uh, one thing that I noticed after watching this movie again, like for a second time, which I don't recommend, like don't watch <laughs> it more than once a year. Uh, but it really seems like this elf actually has like feelings for Kristen. And it's not just like a monster. It it actually like wants to care for her because it, it seems to have like be protective of her and be like careful with her when it gets real close to her and it like knows exactly where she is. And it's, it's weird that they tried to like humanize this thing 
but it also seems to be like entirely too smart that it has any right to be at times. Like it uses a gun at one point, then <laughs> yeah, in the I next scene when that. it's trying to seduce Kirsten, it is like mouth, like breathing, s- slow moving, like doesn't understand how things work. I, I, don't, I don't know if I should expect that from it, but it just seems like the, it has like wildly swinging abilities. Yeah, they probably just randomly wrote shit in the script for this thing to do. Yeah, so... And the, the, the weird part is that, like, the the elf is trying to, like, seduce her, but throughout the whole movie, there's been kind of a trope of, like, the Germans just kind of just want the elf to rape her and get it over with. Yeah, it seems like it's definitely more of a ritual for the Germans than it is for the elf. Like the elf seems to be like, Ooh, this is, this is my gal type thing. And the Germans <laughs> are like, no, this is, this is a experiment. This is what we're doing to preserve the race. So the movie comes to a very like sharp halt. Abrupt it, ending. Yeah. yeah. So essentially once they're in the forest, the elf comes up to Kristen is trying to seduce her. Kristen sends her little brother back to grandpa's house for the crystal. He comes back, gives her the crystal and she does what she does and like stabs the elf with the crystal. Like they imply throughout the last half of the movie that she'll know what to do. And she kind of like stabs the elf with the crystal and man, I don't know about you, but the scene where the elf was dying was like physically hard to watch. There's a lot of like strobey bits and zooming in and out bits and like extra lighting. And I, 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 can you describe that for me, Brad, how, how that came across to you? I I can't even really describe it. It's, it seems like they, like they didn't have the budget to do this cool death scene. So they just said, we're just going to flicker the lights and move the camera around a bunch and just really confuse the fuck out of the audience to, to what's actually happening. I mean, I watched it and I, I watched it twice as well. And I was still just like, God, they could have done so much of a better job than that. Basically, if you haven't seen the movie, it's they move around the camera so much and like zoom in and out and back and forth and up and down with all these lights and there's fog in the forest. Like you really don't, you can't, you don't even know what the hell's happening for like a solid 15 seconds. It, it seems even longer than that. And they like turn the shutter speed down. Oh yeah. It's like you get like multiple flashing images. And so, yeah, essentially the movie implicates that the elf is dead. Like you don't even see the elf after well, it, you do see the elf kind of die, but it's like during this whole like stroby, flashy, like weird nonsense shot. And the movie ends with Kristen and Willie holding each other in the forest, and it starts to snow, which we talked about earlier. She all she wanted for Christmas for it was for it to snow. <laughs> and the movie does something that I mean, I think I've seen it in other horror movies before, but I can't quite put my finger on it but this movie takes the record for 
like last minute twist ending by rolling the credits and then having a little fetus with a heartbeat underneath all the credits implying that she she now has this elf like nazi baby inside of her that that to me was also extremely weird because like they never ever explain it didn't even get that close to her like physically touching didn't even like didn't even happen and so i i don't know how the hell she now has a an evil elf troll growing inside of her yeah, I'm not saying that I wanted to see like elf on blonde penetration or anything like but, that. But at least explain but, it. Like, but implicate that something happened other than because like the whole movie it ends on like, oh, we won and it's snowing now, and then the credits roll and there's just like for a good like minute and a half there's just like a beating heartbeat and a fetus on screen. And implicating that all of that was for nothing. We watched that movie because nothing happened in it other than the Nazis won, I guess. The Nazis won. And I actually did some research on the movie a little bit uh, after I watched it. And I was like, the one question burning in my mind was the ending. Like, I was typing into Google, like, does Kristen have an, an elf baby inside of her? And I was like, I couldn't find any answers. Wikipedia gave me the strongest answer saying that even Wikipedia, whoever wrote that article, wasn't exactly sure. But the fact that you see a, a fetus elf during the credits is, I mean, it's pretty solid. Like, hey, something happened. Yeah. So on that note, Brad, uh, we're going to try something new. I want you to give me your best, your worst, and your weirdest from elves. Ooh, okay. Anything goes. Anything goes. Okay. The best. I think the I think the best moment was when when Santa Claus 1.0 is getting stabbed in the balls repeatedly, because I was just I kind of saw it coming, and then all of a sudden I was like, all right, all right, I can stop now, because once the elf keeps stabbing him in the nutsack, it happens like ten or twelve times, and then the Santa Claus falls to the ground. And then it's another 10 or 12 stabs right to the nutsack. And it's just like way too much. It's like, it, to me, it was actually kind of funny. Yeah. Because, you know, Santa Claus was being a pervert earlier. So the elf was taking away the pervert's penis. Retribution. Yeah. So maybe, maybe the elf isn't that bunch, that bad guy after all. <laughs> all right. And your worst? Oh, God. It's got to it's gotta be the scene in the bathtub. That was just so horribly done. That... <laughs> <laughs> with with the woman the the mother being electrocuted which by the way she did a horrible job pretending to be electrocuted by too she just kind of shakes a little bit and then eventually just overdoes it but with the head banging of the elf over and over like it's a rock concert i was like oh, i don't know what the hell's going on here i mean obviously i know what's going on here but i didn't enjoy it and the weirdest oh god the weirdest the whole movie can we say the whole movie I mean, it's your best, worst, weirdest. Uh, oh man! All right, I'm. I think it's going to be. It's going to be the random moments when the mother says, "Hey, your dad's downstairs," and then you're like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> to me, that was probably the a bigger twist than seeing the fetus at the end. <laughs> all right, so for me, I'd have to say the best is like how badass they tried to make like 
I mean, I'm a big guy, so I, I struggle to use the word fat, but like fat Santa Claus, Dan Haggerty, they tried to make him like an action star. And actually, like looking into his IMDb, there was actually a few movies where I don't, that was just like a thing that people tried to do was make like fat bearded Grizzly Adams uh, action star after Grizzly Adams was over. <laughs> um, the worst was just the elf itself. The fact that his mouth never closed, and I don't know if they just like lubed him up with KY before every scene, or there's like scenes where you see his feet backing away from some toys in the department store. It's just the head and the proportions, and he's just gray. There's no color on him. The elf itself is the worst for me. And the weirdest. Yeah, I'm going to have to say probably just like the your dad is your grandpa <laughs> um, storyline that they, they threw in there. I, I have to say you're probably dead on on that one is the weirdest part. Just It doesn't fit the story at all. They just randomly, if that part was cut out of the story, I'm not saying this movie would be a lot better, <laughs> but it wouldn't be as weird. And it might be a little bit more watchable. All right. Well, on that Brad, note, Brad, do you have anything more to say about this movie? It was a good pick. It it was one of those movies that I just I couldn't stop watching it because of how bad it was, which seems to be like what we've been doing for the last few podcasts. But it was a solid pick. It was a good movie. Yeah. Well, definitely- okay, hold on. It wasn't a good movie. <laughs> it was a good movie for the podcast. It was a solid train wreck movie. Is that one that you definitely you get into it and you don't want to look away. Um, I think I'm going to, I'm going to show all my friend, my film friends, like, Hey, I watched this great movie over the weekend. You've got to watch it. It's better than like Martin Scorsese. And I'm going to make them watch the full thing. Yeah. I think uh, this is definitely in my Christmas movie rotation. Uh, (laughs) It'll be elf. And then we'll watch the sequel elves. I don't know if I could watch this every (laughs) Christmas. (laughs) So I I, want to know what you're more excited for than Brad. Uh, the upcoming Christmas season or not having to think about this movie ever again. Oh, I'll be thinking about this movie in my nightmares. <laughs> okay. On that note, I, Brad, I appreciate you joining me again. Uh, I appreciate you working with me through these technical difficulties. Uh, check us out on Twitter and Facebook at absurdist asylum. Email us at absurdasylum at gmail.com. And thanks for stopping by. Say goodbye to people, Brad. Bye, people.